welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwaneka. Good morning, everybody. My name is Taiki, and I'm a partner here at Doxodeo Hatfield, and it's so great to be able to share the word with you this morning, and uh, you guys are just awesome. I love the energy in the room, and I love that you guys are just having a great time this morning with us. So, I want to know from you, who of you have ever taken a huge risk, like big, like really big, big risk? And the odds were stacked against you, and you prevailed, and you prevailed. Can I, can I see a show of hands? Who, who feels they have prevailed against the odds? Huge risk. Amen for you. Now, the rest of you, this morning, is going to be your moment. Okay, come on. Thank you, Mana. That's what I want to see. That's the energy I want to see this morning. There cannot possibly be enough amens. Okay, so... So let's do it. Yes, thank you, Bandile. That is just enjoyable. Thank you. So, so guys, I remember once I took this beautiful girl out for breakfast, and and it was that whole Little Mermaid moment. You guys know the moment, hey? There you see her sitting there across the way. She don't got a lot to say, but there's something about her. Yes, come on. And you don't know why, but you're dying to try. You want to? Thank you. Okay. Now I recognize, thank you, thank you. I recognize that some of you are too young to remember that movie. Um, It's The Little Mermaid. Look it up. It's pretty awesome. Don't watch the live one. It's terrible. Okay. so, So really, I'm sitting there, and she thought we were just going for breakfast as good friends, and we were having this awesome breakfast, and I had other intentions, all pure, I assure you, completely pure, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful intentions, and we ordered breakfast, but I was unable to eat. I was just sitting there, incredible breakfast, and she's looking at me like, why aren't you eating food? Um, And we ordered this breakfast, and I was so nervous. I mean, this girl was a solid nine, and I was a six at best. And eventually I'm sitting there and I've sweated through my shirt and um, I haven't eaten a thing and I mustered up courage to ask her the following question. If I were to ask you out, how would you feel about that? I know, I know, very smooth, very smooth. I I didn't commit. I, I was like, come on, I'm just checking. I'm feeling out the waters and we'll see what happens. Um, You don't get smoother than that. But long story short, she said yes. I put a ring on it, and we just celebrated 11 years of marriage. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. The moral of the story is, I took a risk, and I stepped out, and it paid off. Okay. So this morning, we're speaking all about risk. Why are we speaking about it? Because as believers, I believe that we are designed to step out 
and take risks and live beyond our own ability. Romans 1 verse 17 says it like this. It says, the righteous will live by faith. What does that mean? It means living beyond our own ability every day of our lives. It means taking risks. It means stepping out. And it means living beyond ourselves. And, and really, as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about the fact that sometimes it means forsaking the safe for the good. Sometimes it means forsaking the safe for the good. So there's this passage in the book of James that I want us to read together, and it speaks to the correlation between faith and risk. So hopefully you've all turned there, um, and you'll see it on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. But in James 2, we're going to be reading from verse 14 to verse 26, and it reads as follows. It says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Okay. So faith without deeds is dead. Can you guys imagine for a moment what it would look like if I had this incredible love in my heart for who would become my wife, and, and I professed love, and I felt it, but I never let her know, and I chose not to have breakfast that morning with her. I could believe I love her all I want, but it wouldn't be real love. Do you know why? Because my actions would belie what I believe. My actions would show what I truly believe, because if I truly, truly loved her, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that would be able to keep me from going there and asking her out. Now, I use this example because I can have faith. I can believe that God can move mountains. I can believe He can heal the sick and the lame, and, and that He can give words of encouragement to anyone that needs it, but when I start to believe that God can do that through me, and I step out and I let him do it, it moves from merely being a belief about God to being my reality, something I own, something that I live out and step in. So Maya and I love watching movies. It's one of our favorite things. And uh, since our little one came along, we're not doing it much. But the other night, we chose to watch this movie called Cyrano. And it's, it's a very, very cool movie based on a play written in 1897. And I've already lost half of you. But um, in it, there's this guy named Cyrano, and he falls deeply in love with this beautiful woman named Roxanne. And, 
and she falls in love, wouldn't you know it, with someone else named Christian. There's this love at first sight moment, and, and through a weird course of events, what eventually happens is Cyrano writes love letters on behalf of Christian to Roxanne. And in these letters, for years and years, he gets to tell her everything he feels, but she never knows that it's him. And it's only on his deathbed, <laughs> spoilers, um, that, that he tells her that it was him, and she professes, it was you I loved all along. Yeah, it is. Well, well I still think it's a downer. Eh? It's, a, it's a bit of a downer. But now imagine for a moment that God is calling you, and he's saying to you, I'm calling you into a life of adventure and purpose, and yes, a life of risk, but also a life in which you get to live out your calling fully, a supernaturally natural life. And imagine you ignore that call. How many Christ followers do you think go to their grave having lived a safe and comfortable and good life? Now imagine if we could live a great life. A life in which God uses our calling and our gifting and, and uses us to change the lives of the people around us. And it's not only us that benefits, but other people. And, and it's a life of surrender. But now my question is, what are we surrendering to? We, we surrender to God. We surrender to doing whatever He may call us to do, however foolish. Because sometimes, yes, it might seem foolish to us. And and really, it's, it's surrendered to occasionally failing, because let's face it, if we risk, sometimes we fall, and there's failure as well. It's, it's part of the game. Um, I'm sure all of you can profess to having taken that shot with that awesome girl, and it just didn't work out. And she goes, no, we're just great friends. Um, isn't that awesome? Yeah, Manalisi feels me here. Um, but, but really, it's about surrendering to taking risks in our Christian journey. There's this incredible book by a guy named Kevin Dedman, and it's called The Risk Factor, and it says, Crossing the Chicken Line of Faith. And, um, and in the book, he says the following. He says, risk is the action that we take and the deeds that we do in response to the level of faith that we have. Risk is the action that we take and the deeds that we do in response to the level of faith that we have. Hebrews 11.1 1 says it this way. It says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we live a life where we are confident in God's promises, we are more likely to take a risk. When we know who our God is, when we know what He has promised and spoken over our lives. Now, I'm sure all of you have heard this story before, but there's this story about a high-wire acrobat. You, you guys know those guys. You generally see them at the circus or Cirque du Soleil, and there's this beautiful line that gets spanned between two towers. And in this case, there was this high-wire acrobat, and he'd connected a cable between two high-rise buildings. And, and a crowd had formed 100 feet below. That's how far up he was. No safety harness. And here he is, and he's doing all these tricks. Uh, the crowd gasps as he balances on one leg, and he twirls around, and he does a handstand on this high, high wire. And eventually, he pulls a chair off of the rooftop, and he then miraculously balances himself on one leg of this chair 
on the high wire. Now, you can imagine what happens in that moment. The crowd below are going bonkers. They are like, this is incredible. This guy is amazing. And, and then he asks them this question. He goes, who believes that I could walk across this cable stretched between these two buildings? And, and confidently, they all shouted back, we believe. We believe you can go. You can do it. And then he shouts back at them and he says, okay, who will be the first to come up here and ride across my back? And you can imagine what happened. Not a one, not a one said that they are willing to go do that thing. Because while they all believed and they saw and they thought this guy was amazing, they did not have the belief and the faith in what this guy was promising he was able to do. There's something about believing in what God has said over us and our lives and the lives of significant we're meant to lead that help us to take the risks we're talking about. I think the problem is sometimes we all love the idea of taking a risk. Who loves a good action-adventure movie? I do. Like my wife and I, we love those movies where the guys are just pulling off the impossible. Um, we went and we watched, um, man, what's that new Tom Holland movie? Uncharted recently. I should know it because I've played the game. But, um, but we went to go watch Uncharted, and there's this one scene where all these boxes are sort of hanging out of a plane that is in midair, and he miraculously jumps from box to box, and I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm thinking my, to myself, I will never do that. Um, but really, there's, there's something in us that loves the idea of taking a risk more than we like to take the risk. But friends, the truth of following Jesus is that if it feels comfortable and safe all the time, then we're not doing it right. It shouldn't always feel safe because Jesus is always going to be more concerned with our character and bringing other people into the kingdom of God than he will be with our comfort and our safety. Matthew 10, 39 says the following. It says, whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This doesn't necessarily mean in our day and age that we will lose our lives if we follow Jesus, but it does mean we might lose something. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe God is going, you know, we're sitting in the middle of a restaurant and uh, we're having a nice meal and God goes, that lady over there, I want you to go up to her and I want you to pray with her. And you're going, God, we're having a nice meal and they're having a nice meal. Can we just leave them alone? And, and maybe God's just going, no, I want you to just take this moment and step out. Maybe you're paying for your groceries and there's a long line of people behind you and you're going, lady, I, I really feel God saying I need to pray for you right now. And in that moment, a million people are watching you and there's your chance. So maybe there's something God's calling us to sacrifice, and, and maybe for some of us it's, it's that, you know, we're, it's going to cost us our social standing, or we're going to do something foolhardy or unpopular, or maybe we're just losing our idea of what a safe life looks like. I remember a few years ago, I was in a very comfortable job at the University of Pretoria as a lecturer in computer systems. Woo! I know, it sounds, sounds very, uh, you know, I, I don't know, yeah, just incredibly, you know, flashy and wonderful. Um, but I was in this job, and I loved it. I loved the stability of it. I liked getting a paycheck at the end of the month. It was decent, and, and I really loved my job. It was great. But there was this unrest in my heart because I also loved ministry. 
I loved being able to minister to the students and the youth in my church and to, to play worship and to, to do everything that, that God had equipped me to do on that side. And, and really, although I was in this safe and wonderful job, there was something in my heart that was just going, this is safe. This is just this, and there's more. And then I, I called God's bluff, and I said, God, then call me to more. And the next thing I knew, somebody came and they said, you know what, we have a church up the road. Would you come and lead our youth and student and worship ministry for us? And then it was this moment of, God, now you're calling me out of the safe into what I think I want, but I don't know if I can do this because I'm in a great job and it's a great salary and it's all of these things that, that I've always tried to aim for and I've worked hard for. And it was this incredibly difficult decision because even though my heart knew this was God and this was the right thing to do, my mind was trying to override what God was telling me to do. And isn't it just like that sometimes when God's calling us to do something? There's this wrestling between our heart and our head because part of us, we know. We know what God's telling us to do. We can hear Him. We can hear He's telling us to step out, but, but there's just this resistance because our minds are going, you know what? This is not safe. Maybe it's not safe. Maybe it's good. So isn't that just the way sometimes there's that war? But really, living a surrendered life means going beyond what we think is possible because, friends, to live the way Jesus is calling us to live, I can no longer continue to think that everything God is calling me to is up to me. I can't. I need to stop doing that. I have to believe this inalienable truth. It's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit plus me. So why don't we take risks? We don't take risks because we lack confidence that God's going to come through if we step out. We lack that He's going to come through on His end of the partnership. And, and as believers, it's essential that we have to understand God is infinitely faithful. And when we step out, He will always show up. He will always show up. We've been journeying through this course with Bianca on the Holy Spirit, and I was here on Friday night. And it was just incredible to see some people who'd never prayed for someone and never tried to get word for someone actually doing it for the first time and just stepping out. And, and I loved the different responses. There were some people that were honest and they're like, I have not seen a thing. I've not gotten anything yet, but I'm willing to keep trying and, and practice this thing because anything worth doing is worth trying and practicing and learning and growing in. But I remember a few years back, we did this course at Doxido Brooklyn. Whoop, whoop, for those of you that uh, have been to Doxido Brooklyn. But there was this course called In STEM, which essentially just means to tune in. And it was all about how to hear from God and trust that it is Him speaking to you and how to share a word with someone when He does speak to you. And, and He started by teaching us these two things. And it was almost the basics of, of trying to get a word for someone. And He said, first things first. Know that God loves you, and He wants to use you. Because let's face it, sometimes that's the barrier to entry. We're like, God, I know what I've done. I know there's stuff on me, or, or maybe just this week I was really ugly to somebody, and now I'm supposed to get word for someone. Why would you use me? And he was just shoving that out the way, and he said, regardless of what happened this week, God wants to use you. 
He loves you, and he desires to use you. And he said, the second thing you need to know is that person that he's asking you to get word for or step out or encourage, he loves them deeply too, and he wants to encourage, and he wants to bless them, and he wants to do it through you. So he was like, if you can figure out those two things, God loves me, God loves them. If you can have those as the underpinnings when we step out, then incredible things can happen. Because literally, living the surrendered life means the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. But the mistake that we often make is that it's just for us. It's great hearing from God. It's great having His guidance. It's great being able to step out and figure out what career should I do, God? Which way should I go? But if we think the Holy Spirit speaks to us just for us, we make a mistake. He wants to use us to love people. He wants to use us to change our world. And he wants to use us to share the truth of who Jesus is with the people that we love and we encourage. So really, if I believe, friends, that it's up to me to get word or to figure out where do I get the resources to do what God is calling me to do, then I'm going to be crippled by fear, and I'm never going to step out and do this thing. But if I have this belief in my mind that I am just a vessel, I'm just somebody that God can use, and I step out, and I trust that He will provide what needs to be provided, and He will bring the word, the encouragement, whatever needs to be brought, and all I need to do is surrender and step, that I can do, that I'm able to grasp hold of and do. So 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 11 says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I was being called to go minister at a church, and I knew nothing about preaching. It still scares me to death. But but I stepped out and I said, God, I don't know how to preach or to play guitar well or to counsel young people, but I know this is you and, and this scares me to death. And in that moment, I could choose to give in to the fear of the moment and what God was calling me to do, or I could choose to almost do that trustful exercise. I'm going to ask you all to get up and cross arms. No, I'm kidding. Um, I wouldn't do that to anyone, but, but really, the, that trustful exercise and fall into the arms of Jesus and trust Him to use me the best way He knows I can make a difference. That's what I could do. I was like, God, all I know is you've said go. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to trust that you're going to do what needs to be done here. That's all we can do. So... So I know for some of you, you're sitting here right now, and the thing that's going through your mind and your heart is, so what happens if I step out and I fall flat on my face? This is going to be a monumental nosedive. There's nobody here to catch me. Have any of you ever had the trustful moment where the people's arms sort of give way and you think, this is it, this is how I go? Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think there are those moments, and, and we've prayed for someone for healing, and it, it hasn't happened, or... Or you want to get a word for someone and you're like, yes, I feel the Lord saying, your sister has a sore ankle. And uh, they go, well, I've only got three brothers and, uh, and they don't have ankles. Yeah. Or, or something like that. And, and really, 
Sometimes we might get it monumentally wrong as we step out. I've been there. I've done that. But I want to take the pressure off right here and now for all of you. Can I, can I, can I do that with one statement? You will fail. Okay, there we go. Easy. I've taken the pressure off. We can get used to the fact that as we learn, we're going to sometimes get it wrong. I mean, who of you have ever had to learn anything? Have you had to learn guitar, maybe? Have you had to learn to sing? Have you had to at varsity? You know, how many of you have failed an exam? I failed a couple. Um, there's something about the learning and the growing in a gift that, that just opens it up for us. And why is it that in every other aspect, from walking to talking to everything else we do in this life, we can accept that, you know what, we will fail as we learn. But when it comes to things like this, we think, I've got to get it right every time. We are going to fail. It's going to happen. We'll, we'll fail monumentally sometimes. But if I stop living a life where the Holy Spirit gets to use me, because sometimes I may get it wrong, do you know what I'm doing? I'm robbing each and every person the Lord wants to use me to bless from their blessing. I need to stop being afraid of failure. I don't know about you, but I don't know everything there is to know about how to pray for someone for healing. And I don't know everything there is to know about how to get a word of encouragement or a prophetic word for somebody. So you know what that means? That means I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to learn as I go, and I'm going to do courses when there are courses, and, and I'm going to find out more about it. But, but what I do know is that everything worth doing takes time to master, takes time to learn, and we need to start somewhere, however small. When it comes to this, do you know what I take encouragement from? There's this passage in Mark 9. And there's this father that brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus and his disciples to help drive out a demon. And, and the disciples try, and they don't get it right, and ultimately Jesus gets it right, and he explains to them that this specific demon can only be driven out through prayer. So it's a different kind of thing. And, and imagine being a disciple of Jesus. You've driven out demons before, and you've done this thing, and you go to do it again, and you fail, and you can't figure out why. And, and, and because, because Jesus is there, he comes, and he fixes it, and, and he explains to you what happens. And, and why do they fail? Because they don't know everything there is to know. These guys were close to Jesus. They were walking with him. They didn't know everything. We don't know everything. So if they had to learn, we have to learn. So we can make a choice when the failure comes. We can choose to take the failure onto ourselves, or we can choose to accept that it is not up to us. We can simply be the vessel. We can pray and we can trust. And then whether it works out or not, we hand the result back to Father God, good or bad. My wife and I did a Bible school a few years ago, and it was great fun. And it was long drives, because it was all the way in Krugersdorp, and, um, which is far from here. And uh, we, we did this, and during this Bible school, they wanted to teach us, how do you get word for someone? How do you get a word of encouragement, or, or how do you get a prophetic word for someone? And they had us do a whole bunch of exercises. No, not physical ones, although uh, this bod did not come cheap, um, but really... 
they had us do these prophetic exercises, and they gave us this piece of paper, and, and they said, okay, now what we want you to do is we want you to pray and hear from the Holy Spirit. We want you to hear maybe where is this person going to be that you should go pray for, or what will they be wearing, or what do they need prayer for? And we would sit, and we would try to hear from the Holy Spirit, and we would do this exercise, and we did it multiple times throughout the year on a Saturday We'd drive through to Krugersdorp, we'd go, and we would do this. And, and no matter how many times we did it, we found it stretching, and we found it a little bit scary. And sometimes we got it horribly wrong, and we just had to accept that sometimes we heard wrong, whatever that was. We, we don't know why, but we didn't always hear right. But sometimes what we heard was accurate, and it was correct. And I remember one Saturday... Maya and I were sitting there, and we're praying together, and we have our little piece of paper in front of us, and, and we, we see, you know, just this picture of um, a certain mall in Krugersdorp. So we write down the mall's name, and, and then we, we, we got this picture of the T-shirt that the person would be wearing, and we wrote that down on the paper, and then we got an unusual thing where, where it was just a heart. So we drew a heart on our paper. And we now had our little piece of paper, and now we're like, okay, now comes the tough part. Now we're going to get out there, and we're going to go find the person that matches our piece of paper, because we feel God wants us to go pray for these people. And, and we stepped out, and we drove to the mall, and we're walking through the mall, and eventually we find ourselves in the parking lot. And wouldn't you know it, in the parking lot of this mall, here comes a couple walking. The guy is wearing the T-shirt. <laughs> that we saw. So we're like, oh dear, we actually now have to do something with this. <laughs> this sucks. Um, but, but we're like, oh, we're so scared, Lord. And, um, and we step out because it's a little bit awkward and, and we start talking to this couple and, and we, we hear from them. And as we're speaking to them, the girl um, actually says to us, I'm going in for heart surgery tomorrow. And we got the opportunity to actually spend time with her and with them as a couple and pray because she was just deathly afraid of this operation that would happen tomorrow. And how we were able to verbalize that is, you know what happened today? God had you on his heart and he sent us specifically to come and pray with you and encourage you for tomorrow. Now guys, can you imagine if we had given in to fear or we chickened out and we'd gotten what was on that piece of paper, and we'd simply said, this is too hard, or I'm too scared to go and pray with this person, or I failed because we had failed before, and we hadn't stepped out. They would have lost out on just being blessed and encouraged before what was probably one of the most monumental things in their life. And for us, it was just an honor and privilege to be able to pray and to let them know God loves you and has you on his heart. So I want you to recognize a few things from this story, and we're we hitting the downward slope now. But, but one, while this worked out, there were many times we had heard wrong, and it didn't work out. But so what? Because we were busy learning. We still are. The second thing you need to recognize is we didn't allow failure to stop us. We kept at it. The third thing is we kept our eyes on the goal, blessing others. Imagine if we decided to stop and no one ever prayed with them. Fourth, what we did had nothing to do with our own ability. We didn't have the ability. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just praying and trusting and we went. And fifthly, of all the times we did this, only once in the whole history, and we prayed with so many people, 
did anyone ever say, no, thank you, I don't want prayer? Once. And we, we approached people in malls, we approached people everywhere. And once did we have anyone go, they don't want prayer. People want prayer. They want encouragement. And we are called to give that. If we're going to live a life of surrender, a life where we believe God wants to use us to bless our petrol attendant, cashier, our friends, someone we see in a mall, our work colleagues, the beggar at the robot, um, literally anyone we see in our day-to-day, then I'm going to propose that we need to do the following five things. First, and that's what today's all about, live a surrendered life, once in which you're constantly ready to bring blessing. I want to ask you a question. What would it look like if the last thing you do before you leave your house in the morning is to pray and to say to God, God, today, would you use me significantly in someone's life that I'm going to encounter? Would you use me to bless them? Secondly, becoming okay with failure. We need to get the resilience where no matter what, we keep going and we keep doing what God's called us to do. Three, always remember that it's not up to you. If the enemy can have you believing that it's up to you to heal someone or to bring them to Jesus, then you have already failed at what we're called to do. Fourth, know where to point people when you do succeed. And this is a big one because the reason we do this and we bring this encouragement is because we want to point them to Jesus. It's very easy, especially if we've gotten it right a few times, to actually go, I'm so great. I'm the best prophet in the world. I can hear God clearly, and I am used of Him. But there's something different that happens when you have the humility to see, I haven't done any of this, and God has used me, and I am pointing to Him when somebody sees that. And the fifth thing, don't settle. Do not settle for a mediocre life in Jesus. You were made for so much more than just coasting through life and and living for yourself and being safe. I mean, who wants to be safe? Come now. There's so much more that God has for us out there. There's this quote that I really love, and it's by a professor at the University of Southern California called Leo Biscaglia. And he says, the person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing, and becomes nothing. He may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he simply cannot learn and feel and change and grow and love and live. It's powerful. Jesus, just before... um, He went back into heaven, just said the following. He said, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. These signs will accompany those who believe. That's you and me, friends. That's the life we've been called to live. And I want to ask you today, are you going to answer that call with me? A life of more. So we're going to go into a bit of a practical exercise because I don't believe that it should be theoretical in nature only. So I'm going to ask all of you, if you have your books with you, 
then take them out and grab a pen. And if you don't have a book with you, you can just grab, I think, uh, one of the notes that you have at the back of your chair with a pen. But you're all going to need something to write with and something to write on. If uh, for some of you it's far easier to use your cell phone, then you can do that. But do not look at the notifications while we are doing the exercise because that's too easy to do as well. So we're going to do a little bit of an exercise this morning. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind someone He's calling us to bless, pray for, and encourage this week. And, and there are some questions that are going to come up on the screen and, and some prompts that are going to help guide us. But, but really, as the Holy Spirit communicates something to you, be it a name of a person, if we can just go to that slide, location, a person's appearance, a prayer need, something unusual, or even a word for a person. I want you to write it down. Now, guys, the one thing I want to say right off the bat, right here and now, is if you hear nothing, that's okay, because we're learning, and we're practicing, and we can do this anytime we want to. But I don't want you to get hard on yourself if you haven't heard anything today. All I want you to do is, as I pray, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us, and we're going to pray that He brings us just someone that He can lay on our hearts this morning. Can I ask you, just before we go in, to lay your hand on somebody next to you? Just put it on their shoulder um, in a very COVID-safe way, and, and we're just going to pray for that person Pray for each other this morning, and we're going to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and speak to us this morning as we spend time in your presence and in your peace? We want to pray, God, that if there's somebody you want to use us to bless this week, that you will bring them to our hearts and to our minds. We want to pray that you'll communicate their name or something about them. And we want to pray, God, that when we run into that person this week, that we will be faithful to do what you've called us to do. We want to pray for courage and strength to step out, to cross the chicken line, to do something significant for you this week, God. Thank you that you love us, and thank you that you love whoever this person is deeply, and you want to encourage and bless them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to bring up some music at the back. And and really, as we do this, I wonder if you can just take time, spend time with the Holy Spirit, look at those headings, and maybe just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, where is this person going to be? Oh, now you really need the Holy Spirit. Okay. But, um, but where is this person going to be? Maybe the Lord gives you a name. It could be someone you know, someone you don't know. What will this person look like? What will their prayer need be? Are they ill? Is there something specific? Anything unusual, like a symbol, like for us it was a heart. And then, of course, a word. Maybe the Holy Spirit lays a word for this person in your heart or an encouragement. Let's pray together.